Good morning. Time to begin a worship service this morning. I was kind of waiting for them to, to come in. They're gathering them up, but I thought, well, we better get started. Some people would talk about me if we don't get started by 1030. I'd like to welcome everyone here this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. Certainly glad to have you with us. Steve and Peggy Rowe are with us this morning. They're good to see them again up from Florida. Always glad to have them come in. Pam and I usually end up going camping and playing some games with them. And that's about the only time I win is when I play something against Steve and Peggy. So look forward to it. <laughs> I will hear about that. But uh, if you're visiting with us today, we, we, uh, we will not have 6 o'clock services this evening. We uh, will have, uh, we call it church, eat church. We will be having uh, a lunch after our first uh, worship service here. And we invite anyone to stay with us, come back to eat. We always have plenty to eat. And we will have service again at 1 o'clock this afternoon. But normally at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings and 7 on Wednesdays. It's good to have the people back from Peru with us. Uh, I know they're glad to, to be back. And, and we've thought about you guys a lot. Every time we'd see the attendance, we would try to add 14 to it to make it look better. But, but I do want to warn everyone. I, I've heard some of them talk about the eating. Some said it was okay. Some said it was so-so. So since we're going to have a buffet out there, Try not to let one of them get in front of you because I believe it could get ugly today. I don't know. But glad to have you guys back, and, and we just pray that a lot of good work was done. Also, uh, uh, Rick Keister has COVID. He just found that out this morning, so they'll be uh, he's staying in, I think, for five days. And uh, so if you've been around Rick or Karen the last couple of days, you might want to... Uh, Kind of keep an eye on yourself. Also, I usually say uh, keep in mind that of our sick and shut-ins, check the wrong journal, but uh, with uh, our secretary out of town, we, have, we haven't had a journal, so just kind of check around and, and remember those uh, who we have been praying for and those that was mentioned in our class this morning. As we get uh, before service, I would like to read a couple verses from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses uh, 14 and 15. We talked a little bit about this in our class this morning. Verses 14 and 15. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Bow with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this uh, time that we can come together this morning. Father, it, it's always a, it's a privilege to, to come and worship you, and, and, and we pray, Father, that uh, you will help us to, to get our uh, mindset right and, and to focus uh, on your word this morning. And 
and to be ready to always give an answer for those, Father, who uh, may have any kind of questions, Father, about you and about heaven, about death, about hell, anything, Father, just help us to, uh, to, to learn more, help us to be knowledgeable enough to talk to others and, and about their soul, about their salvation. Just help us, Father, to, uh, to study our Bibles and, and, and to be ready. Father, we uh, pray that you'll be with Chris this morning as he brings us another lesson. Uh, we're thankful for him and his family and David and his family. And, and Father, for all those in this congregation, we just pray that, that you bless them. And, and Father, those who were mentioned in our, in our class this morning. And, and Father, those who are battling diseases, uh, uh, spiritual, physical, whatever it may be, God, we just pray that you'll bless them. Father, we're just thankful for everything that we have, everything that we do have. We know good things comes from you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your son and, and for that privilege to be here and worship you. Forgive us when we fall short in what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing the first song? First hymn this morning is number 19, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, hymn number 19. <clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 730. What a friend we have in Jesus. Number 730. <clears throat> and after this hymn, Brother Sy Wilson will have our scripture reading and prayer.
Our scripture reading this morning is comes from Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Acts 15, 1 through 5. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given to us, the sunshine, the rain that we've had, the beauty that surrounds us. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to come together here to worship you, to sing songs of praise to you study from your word. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we sing these songs of worship, be with John as he leads them. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we surround the table here shortly. Lord, that we can put aside all the things of this world and that we can focus on your love for us. We can focus on your son and that he came to this earth to die for us. To, give, to be the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all those that cannot be here. 
pray that you'll be with those that are sick, either physically or mentally. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all those that choose not to be here. Lord, may we be able to find them to say something to them that can change their heart and that they will look to you, will follow you, and come to know you as their God and Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to be with us as we all have our trials and temptations. Lord, we pray that we can always look to you for the guidance that we need. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to comfort and strengthen those that are sick and, and us as we go through our trials. Lord, we pray that we'll always be found looking to you. Lord, we pray that you'll just continue to be with us throughout this service, that our songs will be uplifting to one another, but we'll also offer praise to you. Lord, we pray that in these things that we can become as one and that our voice can be a great sound, sound to you. Lord, we thank you for the folks being able to return from Peru. Pray that their trip there will have brought many to you and that the seed can be sown and that you'll plant, that you'll water it, Lord, that Christians and your word can be strong in that area. Lord, we pray that you'll just continue to be with us. Lord, again, we thank you for your son that died to wash away our sins. We pray that you'll forgive us of those sins and be with us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 299, I Stand Amazed. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth verse. And then we'll have the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> I stand faith in the presence of Jesus the
At this appointed time in our worship service, we members of the body of Christ gather for communion to focus our attention and have a mindset on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. His followers and believers have been doing this for nearly 2,000 years since the death of Christ. And on, on that night of the Last Supper, Christ had instructed his followers to do, do these things in remembrance of him. And in 1 Corinthians 11:26, we read, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And also, I want to read in Romans 6, 8 through 10, now, if we have died in, in, with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For, we, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Also, I want to read in Luke 9:35 and this and a voice came out of the clouds saying this is my son my chosen one listen to him Let's go to God in prayer as we pray for the bread Our Father in heaven we're thankful for Jesus Christ who died for our sins he suffered a terrible death and suffered pain and shame was upon him. He did this for our sakes. We ask you, Lord, to bless this bread as, as we remember Christ and the suffering that he did for our sakes. Amen.
As we prepare to uh, partake of the cup, it represents the shed blood that Christ shed as he died for our sins. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, once again, we come to you, Lord, thinking of Christ and, and the, the, the death that he suffered for our sins, the blood that, that was shed, the, the sinless blood of Christ was shed, shed for us. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
This concludes our communion service in memory of Christ. Uh, at this time, while we still have the ushers here on the floor, we'll take up our offering. Uh, we, the church, we as members of the church, support the things that that we do here in our community and, and throughout the world, the mission, the missionary trips, and everything else that the church is involved with. And at this time, let's go to God in prayer again for our offering. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for every blessing that you have blessed us with as a people and as your church here at Rome. We pray that everything that we do, Lord, promotes your name and the name of Christ here in our community and help us, Lord, to always always look for those that are in need and, and try to help in any way we can. We thank you once again for Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 274. I have found a friend in Jesus. 274. It's at this time that the uh, young children, two to two years old to five year old, will have children's Bible hour. I have found a friend in Jesus. 274. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the thing that's going to thousand through my soul. The Thank you. 
Invitation hymn this morning, number 255, I Am Resolved. 255, Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to be back with you this morning. We have all kinds of stories to share with you from Peru. No doubt about the food and the culture, but certainly about the people and uh, so many of the, the good spiritual things that, we've, that we learned, that we saw while we were there. So, uh, you have a, a lot of stories to hear, and we are excited to tell them, I'm sure. Uh, we'll get that opportunity as, uh, as the weeks progress. Um, but today we're in Acts chapter 15. We are continuing our series. Uh, we're calling it Unstoppable. And so we uh, are in uh, the book of Acts, looking at it this year uh, through that lens, how the church is unstoppable. Uh, over, the over the past uh, month or so, we looked at unstoppable families and what that looked like. Uh, and now we're, we're getting back to the text here in Acts chapter 15. You're familiar with the uh, with this, uh, scene, uh, I am sure. Uh, there's some controversy in the church. And so today we're talking about how unstoppable churches handle controversy. Just to set the scene for you here... Um, in Acts 15, what's going on? Well, you heard Cy read it for you uh, just a minute ago, but some guys have come down from Judea. They've come from Jerusalem, really, and they are in the Antioch church. When Paul and Barnabas returned from the first missionary journey, these guys are there, and they are causing some trouble in the Antioch church. This is Paul's home congregation. This is uh, the, the really uh, a bastion, a fortress of light for God's kingdom. In the Gentile world, they, the disciples, uh, the, the, the Christian, well, I just came back from Peru and I'm tired. Okay, so the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This is that Antioch. This is a massive metropolis city uh, in the ancient world. Uh, and it, a church is founded right there. This church, uh, in fact, was the one that, uh, that called Paul over uh, via Barnabas. Barnabas came and got Paul and they worked with this congregation for a good long time and now the congregation has sent them out to do mission work and Paul and Barnabas go out on that first missionary journey. We're assuming they took a couple of years to come uh, to start there in Antioch and make the circle and make their way back through. They've appointed elders in the churches in these places in the first missionary journey and now they've returned back to their home church that was solid when they left and now some of these teachers from Jerusalem are coming into this congregation, this good, solid congregation, and they're teaching that you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. That's not truth, right? Uh, Paul and Barnabas, along with the other teachers and prophets uh, in this congregation, have been saying baptism is what now saves you. It's 1 Peter 3.21, right? The Christians are familiar with that, but there is a Jewish element in the church in Antioch as well, obviously, as in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, and so those, those, that element is uncomfortable, letting go of Judaism. 
Uh, and obviously one of the major tenets of Judaism is circumcision. And so some of these guys have come down from Jerusalem to the Antioch church, I'm assuming in an effort to build up this church. I think they come with good intentions. I think they bring along Judaism with them, unfortunately. Uh, and so when they get there, they find a church that is growing, that is vibrant, they are flourishing. And just like the church in Jerusalem, this church in Antioch is unstoppable because they've lined up behind Jesus and they are following his mission no matter the cost. That's what unstoppable churches do. And so this church is unstoppable. And when these Jewish teachers get there, they say, well, you guys are doing good, uh, no doubt. You're doing good, but really... Uh, if you want to be completely, fully pleasing to God, you really need to be circumcised. Because that's the law of Moses, and that's, the, that's what he said from, from generations past all the way back to Abraham. Uh, circumcision is, is the deal. It's, that's, it's the covenant that God's made with man. It's how you know you're special. It's how you know that you're part of God's covenant people. And you want to be God's covenant people, right? And so the Antioch Christians are, are waffling, really. They're, they're struggling with this idea what do we do? What, what do we need to do to be saved? Is it, is it just baptism or is, do I need to follow the law of Moses as well? Don't forget all the history that we've, that we've learned in the last 14 chapters or so here in Acts. The early church up until this, around this point has been solely Jewish, right? Um, we met Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He's the first Gentile convert up until him. There weren't you. You had to convert to Judaism first, and then, uh, and then you could become a Christian. But Cornelius doesn't convert to Judaism. He he bypasses Judaism. To say, oh, God's done the exact same thing here as He did back in Acts chapter two. So I should teach these people what to do to be saved. And at the point that they were baptized, they were saved. And now some people have come into Paul's home church, the great Gentile apostle. He has, they've come into, sorry, I just realized my microphone wasn't working. Um, they have come into uh, Paul's home church, and now they are teaching these things that are not in step with the truth of the gospel. And so how do you handle that? Well, controversy happens, doesn't it? Uh, it happens in every church in all times, and it's not new to us, and it wasn't new to them. Controversy happens. And so how are you going to deal with it? Well, the first step is you can't ignore it. Look what they do. Uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 2. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, that kind of means uh, Paul and Barnabas threw up some red flags and they had a good long conversation with these guys in the church. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. They're not going to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the mother church. There is no mother church. Um, they're going back to Jerusalem because this is where those teachers came from. And so they, they're wondering, I, I suppose, whether this is a Jerusalem church teaching or if this is a teaching of these specific teachers. And so they go back to Jerusalem to kind of set, set down the law. Here's, here's what we understand, because Paul's now been preaching for uh, several years, uh, as well as Barnabas, that baptism is the only thing that can save you. It's it. Once 
you've been baptized, you now enter into God's kingdom, and there are no further steps. You'd be faithful unto death, and he will give you a crown of life. That's the last step. Baptism and then faithfulness into death. That's it. That's how you be saved. And now these guys are coming into the Antioch congregation saying, well, baptism's good. After you're baptized, you really need to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law of Moses. Remember all 600 of those laws? You need to follow those. And, uh, and then you just be faithful unto death, and he'll give you the crown of life. And Paul and Barnabas say, whoa, that's, that's not truth. That, that's, not what, that's not what we're seeing for sure. Um, remember, they've been preaching now for a couple years, and Paul's been saying, on this whole missionary journey, you need to be baptized to be saved. Do you want to be saved? Yes. Well, you need to be immersed for the purpose of the forgiveness of your sins. And at that point, your sins are washed away. And you're no longer held accountable for those things. You continue living faithfully, and he'll give you the crown of life. So when these guys start talking about circumcision and obeying the law of Moses... Um, it throws up an awful lot of red flags for an awful lot of people, especially Paul and Barnabas. And so, in verse 3, Being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the, conver the, con the conversion of the Gentiles. And this brought great joy to all the brothers. Uh, they are uh, getting all of their ducks in a row. They're reminding all the brothers in all the congregations between Phoenicia and Samaria that God works through the Gentiles. If they're baptized, they're in. They're in God's kingdom now. There's no circumcision. There's no following the law of Moses. You be baptized. That's how you're saved. And then you live faithfully. You line up behind Jesus. You agree with his mission. You follow him. You, he would put it like this in Luke 9. Pick up your cross every day and you follow him. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're getting all their ducks in a row. They're reminding the churches in case these Jewish teachers had come down the same way that Paul and Barnabas are coming down. These guys may have come down just like that, teaching their false doctrine. And Paul and Barnabas say, no, no, there's no room for that. There's no room for this, this circumcision and following the law of Moses. That, that's, that's done now. God has, has put that aside now. And there's a different way. There's a better way. There's there's Jesus' way. And so they go back through this, this area teaching the truth on this matter. In verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them. So again, to the Jerusalem church, now they're rehashing what, has, uh, what God has done through them for the Gentiles. How he has welcomed them abundantly welcomed them, how he has done incredible things uh, through Paul and Barnabas to bring Gentiles to himself. And he never once said anything about circumcision, never once said anything about following the law of Moses. He said a lot about baptism, he said a lot about salvation, but he never connected the law of Moses with salvation, not here. That was true in the past, but that has changed now. Verse, uh, verse 5 but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, here's where we really get into the meat of our lesson, I guess. How do you handle controversy? How does, how does an unstoppable church handle controversy? Well, we can't ignore it, can we? They, they didn't ignore it. It would have been unthinkable for them to have ignored this controversy. They, they could not. And this was something that had the... Uh, ability to drive a wedge between the church. 
Uh, in in uh, Ephesians 2, God talks uh, uh, through Paul about the, 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 the hostility that was once between the Jews and the Gentiles. He's made right in the church and he's brought them together. And now they're one unit, one body, and they all work together. That's true in the Jerusalem church and that's true in the Antioch church. That's true across the world in the first century. But this, this controversy between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Jewish people wanting the Gentiles to follow the law of Moses and to be circumcised has the ability to drive a wedge between their unity. And he says, that cannot happen. That must not happen. Unstoppable churches meet controversy head on, just like these, just like this church did. One of the things we do, though, as we encounter controversy is we do an awful lot of listening. If you go back through and you read through what has been said here, uh, they do an awful lot of listening. Check out what happens in verse 6. After the, after the Pharisees say their bit, these are believers, but they're from the former sect, of the, they're former Pharisees, but it's awfully hard to let go of the law of Moses for them. Verse 6, he says, The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been, underline that word, much debate. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and he said to them, we'll talk about what he said in just a second, but that's what I want you to see right now. After there had been much debate, they talked about this for an awful long time. This was a big meeting. This was not ten minutes. This was not an hour. This was an hours long meeting, maybe we're not told in the text, but it, I just get the impression that lots of people did lots of, lots of talking, but even more people did lots of listening. Listening. When we encounter controversy in the church, there needs to be an awful lot more listening than talking. Sometimes we think we know where people are coming from, especially when we're in conflict with them, when we're in controversy with them. We think we know where they're coming from, and guess what? We don't. What did you think when you heard that the Pharisees had, were the ones that brought up this, this debate? Right? That's exactly what I thought. All oh, those Pharisees, they're at it again. I thought I knew their heart. I don't know their heart. Even reading through their story, I don't know their heart. Maybe they were trying to make the church more pleasing to God. It's possible. Right? These guys have given up an abundance of things. Reputation, money, friends, family. They've given up a lot. Their, their, their notoriety, uh, their respect. They've given up a lot to come over to Christ. You don't do that lightly. These guys are real believers. And so when they throw up this, this red flag, well, you need to be circumcised to, to really be pleasing to God. You should at least, we should at least give their faith some validity, some credibility. Um, stop and think for a second about what all these guys have given up. They're not just Pharisees. These guys are former Pharisees who have now lined up behind Christ and they're trying to do what's right, I think. Are they wrong? Yeah, they're wrong. Um, but often... When we're in conflict, when we have controversy in the church, we think we know what the other person is saying. We think we know their heart. And we'll do the talking, but we don't often do the listening. We need to do a lot more listening than we do 
talking. Flip over to James. James chapter 1. James has something to say about this, doesn't he? James chapter 1. Verse 19. James is so practical, right? Such, such a good book for, for practical matters like this. But in verse 19, he says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You think Peter, Barnabas, Paul, and uh, James had learned that lesson? I think they had by this point. Because they do an awful lot of listening, not a lot of talking. Um, when Korah, Datham, and Abiram tried to take over leadership of Israel from Moses back in the beginning of Israel's history, there's these three guys named Korah, Datham, and Abiram. And they tried to take back the leadership of Israel from, 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 from Moses, from God's anointed prophet. They try to steal it back. Uh, and you know how they do it? They start complaining. They start grumbling. And they start getting their crowd together. And, and they get their crowd against Moses. There's a couple things we don't need when controversy happens in the church. We need a lot of listening, but we also don't need a lot of complainers. We don't need a lot of grumblers. Because these guys are not helping. They're not, they're not, they don't want to uh, fit the church back together. They're not concerned about unity. They're concerned about having their way. They're concerned about what's best for them. And that's what Korah, Dathan, and Abiram are all about. They see the, uh, the notoriety, I suppose. Uh, they see the power uh, that Moses has in leading Israel, and they want that. They're greedy. They're greedy for the power, for the, for the, um, to be seen like that. Um, and, and obviously, you know how the story ends. God opens up the earth, and it swallows them and the, their whole family. There's just no room in controversy for people that are complainers and grumblers. It only makes the situation worse. Unstoppable churches can't allow that. When we encounter controversy, and we will encounter controversy, when we do, there's some things that we need to do first. We need to do a lot of listening. Because I don't know your heart, and you don't know mine. And so I need to be listening for your heart. I need to be listening for where you're coming from. I want to know the, I want to know the story uh, in the midst of this controversy. I want, I, want to, I want to see this through your eyes, and you need to see it through mine. We need to do an awful lot of listening with the intention of seeing that person's heart, knowing where they're coming from, hurting with them. Why are, why are they reacting like they reacted like this? So uh, I think it's important to do an awful lot of listening and not an awful lot of talking, especially if the talking is complaining and grumbling. That has to stop. It can't be helpful. It will not be helpful as we deal with controversy. Back in Acts 15, you find uh, Peter. Here's what Peter said. So, well, there you go. Acts 15, verse 7, this is what Peter said. Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, there's somebody who knows the heart, I don't, but God does. He bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. 
Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. So Peter says, let them all come. Every Gentile out there, every pagan, every idol worshiper, if they want to come, they're welcome here. This is where they need to be. Jesus is light, he is truth, and he is power, and they need to hear that. And we need to go tell them, and let's, let's welcome them all in. The church is big enough for all of them, and bring them all in. That's, that, that's Peter's thought. That's his, that's, his, that's his heart. He wants everybody to come, right? James could not be more on board with him. Up until this point, James and he agree. After this, Paul and Barnabas are going to recount some of the things that they've been saying all along. Well, here's what God's been doing for the Gentiles through us. And they've got story after story after story after story of God's power happening through the Gentiles. He is pleased with them. It's obvious that baptism is the only thing that now saves us because that's what we've been preaching they would come and then blessing after blessing after blessing would be heaped on the Gentiles. He's making a way for them. That's, that's something like what Paul and Barnabas would have been teaching, what, what they would have said. They get, their, their, they get to say their piece here um, right after Peter speaks. After they say their bit, James is going to start talking. He starts talking here in uh, Acts chapter 15. Uh, starting in verse 12. And James has got an awful lot to say. Um, so, and all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. And, and he's going to walk you through all the Old Testament passages that say the Gentiles always intended to come into the kingdom. This was God's plan from the very beginning, and the Jews really messed it up. Jonah, guys like Jonah messed it up. They missed the boat. They didn't get it. They, did, they, they, they thought they understood God's heart, and they were so far from God's heart, they didn't understand. But that's his plan all along, was that he wanted the Gentiles to come. And now they're finally here, and you Jewish people are saying, keep them at arm's length, push back against them, make them, require them to follow the law of Moses? No! James and Peter could not be more on the same page right now. They, they, they agree 100%. Here's where they begin to deviate. Uh, down in verse uh, 19. Acts chapter 15, verse 19. Therefore, my, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. And Peter's nodding the whole time. You can kind of see it, right? Don't trouble them. Let them come. They're, they're welcome here. But should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. So James has some stipulations. He says they're all welcome. I mean, everybody's welcome here. The church is big enough and we want everybody to come here. There are some caveats, though, and, and we, should, we should pay attention to what, how he words these things because he's going back pre-law of Moses. James is not saying here, he's not saying follow the law of Moses. He's saying there are commands that predate the law of Moses. Like in Genesis 9, 4, um, God says don't, don't eat things that have been strangled by blood. So 
as James reviews all the things that Peter said and all the things that everyone else has said, he starts thinking, well, there's, there's, this, there's this way of doing things that God has seemed to always have had. Um, and he, he, does, he does these things, he, and he doesn't like uh, food that's been polluted, polluted by idols. Very soon in 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to say, that's nothing. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And so that goes away. Uh, they should abstain from sexual immorality. That's another one of those timeless principles that God has, has instituted. Um, and then from what has been strangled and from blood, those are, those are really the same thing because there's this practice in ancient uh, paganism where um, the, uh, the, the, the conqueror, the, the one uh, offering the sacrifice or the one uh, that has beaten his enemy would drink their blood in an effort, I suppose, uh, they thought to, to gain their strength. Um, they would do that, either from the sacrifice or from their enemy. And James is saying, oh, that's a pagan practice. And we don't, we, that's not something we need to pick up. That's not something we need to continue because it, um, it's not something that would be pleasing to Christ. And so Peter and James are on the exact same page all the way up until this point. And then James says, well, there, there's a couple things here that I think that they need to hear. And so why, right? Why are these things that, that he thinks that they need to hear? Well, and, and what are the distinctions? Uh, flip over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Paul's going to go through some of this stuff too. And he, does, he doesn't seem to care about food that's sacrificed to idols. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's going to provide a caveat here as well too though. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, he says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and, uh, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. Some people, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, think that there is power in idol and in meat that's been worshipped and meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And so he says, well, idols don't really have any power because it's either a piece of wood. Isaiah would say you go down to the forest, you chop down a tree, you use part of it for firewood, and part of it you carve up and worship as an idol. He kind of scratches his head. Paul's doing the same thing here. There's no, there's no power in those idols. Uh, you make them out of terracotta, uh, and you made a bowl out of the other one, you know, out of the rest of the terracotta. There's no power in these idols. There's, they're not real. And so they have no power to be able to change the meat, right? And so Paul says, hey, you eat what you want to eat. If you want to eat meat, that's fine. Go for it. If it's been sacrificed to an idol, it's not a big deal. But, but... In verse 7, not everyone knows that. Not everybody knows that. Um, some, through former association with idols, in verse 7, eat food is really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. He says, if it's going to mess up your brother, you shouldn't eat meat. Uh, in fact, he says, if it... Uh, in verse 13, uh, 1 Corinthians eight thirteen, he says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble... I'll never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. He says, this is how I handle controversy. If the thing that has caused the controversy 
is doctrine, I can't back down. I won't give. We've got an Acts 15 situation on our hands. There's, there's no room for me to, to give if it's doctrine. Paul says in Galatians 2, I won't back down an inch from that, not a centimeter. You're never going to hear me say, follow the law of Moses. You're never going to hear Paul say, oh, you need to be circumcised. He's never even going to imply that. He's going to, he's going to push back so hard against that because it's perverting. It's watering down the truth. It's a, it's a betrayal of the truth. And so he, he would never um, pervert doctrine. He would never um, abuse it in that way. But where it's opinion-based, like meat, he says, I, I can give there. And if I never have to eat, and if I never get to eat meat again, but it causes my brother not to stumble, that's a good trade. I'll take that. So when we are in controversy... I think Acts eight or uh, Acts fifteen and First Corinthians eight can help us here, because a lot of times when we're in controversy, what's the controversy over? It's not usually over doctrine, is it? It's over some sort of opinion. Uh, it's over uh, a personality or, or a, an opinion or something that uh, is not doctrinal. And Paul says there's room for compromise here. I, as the stronger brother, should be able to give. Um, Peter takes the more generous view in Acts chapter 15. Everyone's welcome, right? James takes the more restrictive view. Everyone's welcome, but there are some caveats that I think would be wise for us to follow. So what's Peter do? He doesn't say another word in the meeting. Not one more word. Isn't that interesting? Peter's an apostle. James is not. James is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus at least. But he's not an apostle. And so Peter has every right to say, listen, James, I'm an apostle. Sit down. We're going to do it my way. He has every right. Paul will take that right on multiple occasions. Peter will take that right on multiple occasions throughout his uh, letters. He doesn't do it here because it's not doctrine. It doesn't matter. And so when we encounter controversy, there can and be should be some flexibility there. there. There can and should be some compromise and some give there, as long as it's not doctrine. Again, Galatians 2, 4, and 5, Paul says, I will not back down on this because future generations and future churches and you need to have the gospel in its purest possible form. And he says, that's what I've delivered to you, and I'm not going to allow it to be perverted. So as long as it's not doctrine... We can give. We can compromise. I think these things help us as we deal with controversy. We will deal with controversy. It will happen. There needs to be a lot more listening than there is talking. Um, I need to be listening for your heart. You need to be listening for my heart. Um, and there can and should be some compromises here as far as opinion goes. Often we insist on our own way, right? Right? It's Philippians 2, 3. Don't be selfish. Don't insist on your own way, but count others as more significant than yourselves. This is sin. We, 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 we insist on our own way when we don't have to. I can and should, as long as it's opinion-based, as long as it's not doctrinal, as long as it's not found, the teaching portion as long as it's opinion based I can, I can give you can give 
And if we remember that, I think it helps us in our controversy. And we too can become an unstoppable, continue to be an unstoppable church. God is doing amazing things here at Rome. Uh, and we are so grateful you're a part of it. Just to get to see what he's doing um, is it, fun. It, it's amazing. Um, incomprehensible. It's not anything that any one of us has done. It's something that he's doing. Uh, and so we're grateful for that and just want it to continue. And as we come across Acts 15 in our study this year, I'm reminded that um, controversy happens and unstoppable churches deal with it. And they deal with it in a way that's pleasing to God. This morning, if you haven't been baptized, we've talked an awful lot about that. And I would love to sit down with you and study with you. I know our elders would love to sit down and study with you on that topic uh, as well. Um, Maybe you've already been thinking about it. Uh, we would love uh, to, to baptize you into Christ for the purpose of the forgiveness of your sins. Um, maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you're, you're struggling. Um, the world has a way of infiltrating our minds and that's not good. And you're ready to make it right today. If you have any need, why don't you come as we stand and sing. I am resolved to morning church family hope everyone's doing all right this morning if you're visiting with us we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning if you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you uh, hand it to a member beside you or place it in one of the black boxes in the back we'd love to have a record of your attendance a um, couple of announcements before we are dismissed um, as Gary mentioned earlier today is uh, in a month is uh, church eat church 
uh, potluck. Everyone is welcome to come to that. Please stay, stick around. We always have plenty of food for everybody. Um, so there will be one o'clock service uh, after potluck, no six o'clock service tonight. Uh, we'll also be going to sing and have a short devotional at Wingate at two o'clock. So we'd love to uh, have you for that as well. Uh, what a great opportunity to, for us to reach out uh, within our community. So we'd love to see you at Wingate at two o'clock. Um, also, Okay, uh, the coffee is from Peru. If you've never had coffee from Peru, here's your chance. Yeah. It guzzle up, everybody. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'll, I'll have some of that. Um, but uh, there's also a sign-up sheet. If you have a child going to camp uh, on the foyer board, please uh, sign up your child for camp. Um, the elders have decided to do a reimbursement as well. Um, how much? Sixty. Sixty dollars of reimbursement uh, for Fort Hill Church Camp. But so only way you can get that back is if, unless you sign your kids up on the four-year board. Um, also, remember continue uh, to keep in our prayers. Um, Jimmy Wilgus, Sean Maynard, Jim Haney, and Amber Spitzer, as they're dealing with their cancer treatments at this time, keep. Uh, Sally, uh, in your prayers, that's uh, Mike's mom. Keep Clinton in your prayers. He had uh, um, a pacemaker put in last week. Uh, surgery went well. He's back at home. Uh, so keep Clinton in your prayers as well. And keep uh, David uh, Lawson in your prayers. That's JB and Wanda's son as well in your prayers. That's all the announcements I have. Um, looking forward to seeing everybody again at 1 o'clock this evening. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let us please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 438. My hope is built on nothing less. We'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Darren Baker will have a prayer. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Greg. So Heavenly Father, we do thank you for another Lord's Day, and Father, we uh, pray that our service has been pleasing to you and in accordance to your word. Father, there's been several mentioned here today and many more on our hearts and minds that are in need of our prayers for good health or whatever their issues may be, Father. You, you know their needs, and we pray that you'll continue to be with them and, and bless them, Father, accordingly. Father, we thank you for our potluck dinner that we're having this afternoon. 
We're thankful for the food that has been prepared. We're thankful uh, for the nourishment that it gives our bodies. We're thankful for those who prepared this food. We pray, Father, that uh, all that can will stay. Enjoy the fellowship with us. Father, as we go throughout the remainder of this week, we ask you to, to be with us and to watch over us and to guide us, protect us. And most of all, Father, we thank you for Jesus and the great hope that he gives us, Father, for a home in heaven with you. So be with us, Father, and please forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>